0: Time. Not one more time, actually, gonna be two more times. All right, let's, uh, we're gonna pray the scripture. We've been praying the scripture throughout the time that we've been going through the Gospel of John. We'll continue to do that. Um, again, I wanna encourage you, don't let it become rote. All right, when we get to the end of verse, verse 10, I'm gonna pause so they can switch it to 11, and then we'll be good to go, okay? All right, so let's pray together. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Amen. All right, you can be seated. And so uh, we're in chapter 5 of the Gospel of John, which we'll continue uh, today. We'll go through verses uh, 16 through 47. And um, just if you would, imagine with me um, a judicial hearing throughout this entire thing, all right? How this is going to go down, a trial, uh, if you will. And so it is a trial of sorts that we see going on here uh, in John 5. Uh, Dave, also known as my dad, last week covered the first part of this where Jesus goes to these, uh, these, uh, this pool and there's a man that's been there for over 35 years, and he is 38 years exactly, and and so um, he's a paralytic, his legs don't work, he's looking for healing, but he can never get to the pool, Um, and we can imagine his condition 38 years as a paralytic. Um, We can only, not to be gross, but we can imagine the hygiene situation there, Uh, And and so he's there, and Jesus comes, and how dare he? On the Sabbath, uh, he comes, and he heals this man, and he says, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be healed? And uh, yeah, kind of been trying to do that for 38 years, actually, Um, and so uh, Jesus says, pick up your mat and, and go. And then later on meets him in uh, the, the, the temple, and he says, you know, don't sin, uh, or, you know, it could be worse. And so Jesus is dealing with this guy on multiple levels, and, um, but he heals him on the Sabbath, all right? And, and the Pharisees, the, the religious elite of the time, uh, do not like this, all right? It is not so much the healing that they don't like, even though that was bothersome to them, because it only gave credit to Jesus uh, for what He was doing. it was the fact that He did it on the Sabbath and broke one of their um, religious, long-standing uh, traditions. All right? And so that is where we start today then, uh, with Jesus. Uh, As the criminal in the scene, uh, the Sadducees are going, or the Pharisees, excuse me, are going to uh, be the ones that are going to be prosecuting him. And so we're going to enter in, if you will, to this court scene that's not taking place in a court at all, all right? Uh, But here we are. And, And so John 5, 16 through 18 says like this, So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him, for he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. And so two two charges are being brought against Jesus here, and those charges are healing on the Sabbath, or breaking Sabbath regulation, doing good on the Sabbath. And so he heals somebody. And then what the real kicker is, is he's claiming this equivalency with the Father, meaning that he has authority, and meaning that he can do things um, that are unique, because of his unique relationship to the Father. And so... Uh, and this, in fact, says this, that he is, uh, he is the son of God. Now, this really just shakes him up, all right, because, hold up, you have just said that you are equal to God, all right, that you are special, you are God's divine agent on earth, that you are the Messiah, that you are the one that's been talked about, the one that's gonna come. And so what we wanna do is we see that we wanna do this, we wanna wrap our heads around, this was kind of a big deal for him to be doing this stuff and to be saying these things. This was a huge deal, all right? And we continue on to John 5, 19, 30. Before we do that, we have the two charges. Don't forget those, breaking Sabbath regulation and then equivalating or Equivalating? No? Bringing himself into an equal position as the father. Okay? Thank you. I just make up words. All right. Um, We know you do. All right. Now, there is someone over here that does make up words on the daily. All right. Uh, John 5, 19 through 30. (laughs) So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can only or can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. For just as the father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life they will never be condemned for their sins but they have already passed from death to life and i assure you that the time is coming indeed it's here now when the dead will hear my voice the voice of the son of god and those who listen will live the father has life in himself and he has granted that same life giving power to his son and He has given me the authority to judge everyone because he he is the son of man. Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's son and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to the experience of eternal life and those who have continued in evil will rise to the experience of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me, therefore my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me. Now we read these statements in contemporary society as part of the Gospel of John and we think, well, that's cute, all right? Jesus was saying something there. We might even glaze over these statements, you know, maybe it's in a maybe it's in a time where you're reading the Bible and you're thinking it's Tuesday and you're thinking about tacos tonight and you're reading over these statements and it doesn't really hit you. But in the context of what Jesus is saying here, the enormity of these statements are staggering. See, by Jesus own testimony, he has been given all authority to rule and to reign. He holds within himself, the power of life, the power of resurrection. And this is a reiteration of John one eighteen, and John 1.18 that won't show up, but says this, no one has ever seen God but the unique one, who is himself God, is near the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. See, Jesus is loved by the Father. He's loved by the Father. He is entrusted to do the work of the Father. He says, even greater things I will do because God is going to tell me, the Father is going to tell me to do these things. And there is nothing that Jesus cannot do. Now, it is great that Jesus is making these claims. But again, context is everything, right? Have you ever been taken out of context? How many of you have friends in the room? Not, I mean, they don't have to be in the room, but you, has anybody ever had a friend in their life? <laughs> good. Uh, good. We used to do a thing called talk to one another. Now we text one another, all right? Has your text to anyone that you know ever been taken out of context? Anyone? Today. Chuck said today, all right? (laughs) I'm not even gonna, we're not even gonna go. Okay, so, yes. All right, and you've had these discussions I thought you meant, all right? Can I tell you how I took something out of context recently? You guys wait for these, man. You're like. (laughs) So I am married to an incredible lady by the name of Jen with two Ns. All right. And we were talking about things and life and kids and their Desires to have a four legged friend times two. And as we discussed this, she was kind of silent on the issue, which I took as okay. <laughs> what color do you want your doghouse to be built, Andy? Um, And so I went and got a dog. And I was like, well, the kids are paying for part of it. They're, you know, five of six of them are working now. They're willing to chip in. And Jen's silence meant yes in my mind and in the kids' minds. I will say that, all right? the one advantage that the kids have is they eventually get to leave our house and I have to stay there. <laughs> okay, and uh, so, so I, I got the dog and I was like, this, is, this dog is awesome. And I brought the dog home and Jen was less than excited As she put it, and I quote, I am in shock right now that this is happening. And I was like, in my mind, and I knew enough not to say it out loud, is it like a good shock or a bad shock? Is that a bad shock? I'm gonna take your silence. I'm gonna take it's a good shock, all right? And so (laughs) since then, because it was a long time ago that that happened, it's like Friday. And so... (laughs) Since then, I have witnessed Jen holding the dog blaming me. I don't know anyways so i I think she's I think she's gonna like it. maybe all right we're still out. the jury's still out all right, and so uh i'm 20. no we have. Okay, I would like, just to clarify for the live stream, uh, my wife said 20 years of marriage. That is not true. We have only been married for 19 years and six months. And so 20 years, I will understand everything though, all right? And And so context, all that, that long, long way around context is being so important. Uh, so, so when we read this stuff, the context matters. When you text somebody, the context matters. When you talk to somebody, the context matters. And I would say this, as we read Scripture, uh, don't cherry pick your favorite verses that go along with what you believe. All right? Uh, read the entirety of the passage, Read the entirety of the Bible. Jesus is going to talk about that later, but but we want to read this thing. And so we know that in context of this trial, quote, trial that's going on right now uh, in the Old Testament, guess what? You had to bring witnesses. Witnesses. You had to bring witnesses to the trial or, you know, you're just up there saying, it's me, I'm just giving testimony, here I am. All right, and so let's move in to this. We have to have something that corroborates his claims. He needs something. In John 5, um, 31, it says this, if I were to testify, this is Jesus speaking, on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is is also testifying for me, and I assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, you sent investigators to listen to John the Baptist and his testimony about me was true. Of course, I have no need of human witnesses, but I say these things so that you might be saved. John was like a burning and shining lamp, and you We're excited for a while about his message. But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish and they prove that he sent me. And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face and you do not have this message in your heart's because you do not believe me, the one he sent to you. You search the scriptures because you think that they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Yet yet you refuse to come to me and receive life. Jesus calls four witnesses, five witnesses, excuse me, up to the stand, The first is God himself, the Father. The second witness is John the Baptist. The third witness is Jesus' own works. The fourth witness is scriptures. And the fifth witness that we'll see is going to be Moses. And why would he speak about Moses in this passage? Because he was a patriarch of the faith. He was a father of the faith. He was foundational uh, for these people who are currently harassing him. And so he brings these. Now, if you you thought they were agitated when he said that I'm the son of God, when he says this stuff, they're really ticked. All right, Because he's bringing before them these witnesses. And now here's what I love. Jesus is not doing this to be a smart bud or a wise guy or anything like this. It's just the tradition of the court or the trials that went on. If you brought charges against someone and then they were found to be false or there were witnesses that would corroborate his story, you could then turn from defense the defendant to prosecutor, all right? And so this is what Jesus does. He kind of turns the tables, and he says this in John 5, 41 through 47, your approval means nothing to me. And because I know you don't have God's love within you, for I have come to you in my Father's name, and you have rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. No wonder you can't believe, for you are, you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that got, the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. Yet isn't it I who will accuse you before the Father? Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses, in whom you put all your hopes, or your hopes, if you really believed Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? We see these writings, these writings happen in Deuteronomy where Moses is telling about one that is to come, that hey, when that person comes, you need to listen to him. So the fifth witness is Moses, and here is Jesus. He's calling out the Pharisees saying, listen, I don't care what you think about me, and he's not saying it as a 15-year-old punk. He's saying it as a man who is, in psychology terms, a differentiated person. Matter of fact, I learned this this week. I was listening to a podcast called Managing Leadership Anxiety, and it says this, that secular uh, family theorists, all right, that deal with families uh, in counseling, secular family theorists all agree that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the most differentiated person who ever walked the earth. And you might be saying, what does that mean? He's the most different person that ever walked the earth? He's the most differentiated, meaning he makes a statement like this, your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. That's a differentiated person. A differentiated person is someone who is on mission that isn't sidetracked and overcome by the feelings or the thoughts of other people. Now, here is the deal. Here we get this idea, right? I kind of like this Jesus. I like Rambo Jesus here. Uh, Does he have the thing? Does he have the Chewbacca thing across here? Is he. Okay, we get this idea. Okay, Jesus, differentiation also was full of the love of the Father. We like to be differentiated and like, I don't give a crap what anybody thinks about me. The only problem is this, we often do that without the love of the Father. We often do that as referring to others as not uh, what what I've read recently is an I-thou relationship. And between I-thou relationships, I never am dealing one-on-one with someone. The Holy Spirit is always in between us. When I deal with people as I-its, I deal with them as unhuman. I don't deal with them as image bearers of God. I deal with them as it's. You know, they, those people over there. We've all said it, right? Have we not? Maybe in this room, maybe someone hasn't. You guys know exactly, like when I say that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've taken one person from a group. They, all them, they are like, we've done it. You've done it uh, based on race. You've done it based on socioeconomic status. You've done it probably based on other, other Christian groups, right? We've all done this. Oh, those Pentecostals. Yeah, <laughs> I just. Oh, the Presbyterian. Oh, the Baptist. Oh, because we've got it all together. And how many people, and I can tell you this, how many people have said, oh, those vineyard people? I am I am not sure, all right, what is going on there, all right? Uh, but we've all done it. And here's what I would want to say is this, that, that because we've built our sacred temples and because we're right and we think we're right, uh, I would wonder if you would ponder with me today if this is just uh, constructs that we have built in order to make ourselves feel better. And I know that that can be a, a word that can have very negative meaning in our day and age, these social constructs, but I do wonder that. Have we built idols out of things? Have we possibly built Idols out of the activity, specific activity of the Holy Spirit. That we require God to show up in this way. And how could God show up and the Holy Spirit show up in a Lutheran service? How could that happen? How can God be amongst the Pentecostals when they're doing all that stuff? You know, they're doing the most here. They're doing the least here. We kind of like it right here. I'm contemplative and I pray. Like, or someone might say, I have a prayer language, right? Or I pray in tongues or I seek after miracles. Like, like they're opposing things here. And what we do is we build idols out of contemplation. We build idols out of, you know, the miracles and all this stuff. And here's what I would say. I just wonder if we were gonna be like Jesus, if we could be both contemplative and not opposing, filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I believe that's what we're called to be. And we can walk with the approval of Christ in our lives that we don't have to build idols that we can recognize that our brothers and sisters in other parts of the faith in different denominations are following after the king of kings and the lord of lords and here's what i love most about it is that jesus has been given the authority to judge not me somebody says well where do you think they'll spend eternity i don't know because I am not the father. But here's what I know. I want to do the things that God is calling me to do. I want to see Lakeland Vineyard function in the way that Lakeland Vineyard is being called in the community to serve. I want us to serve one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, what if they don't have their theology just right? Hey, I want to tell you a little story. You don't either. Okay? And guess what? Me standing on this large six-inch stage does not have it all together either. All right? If you're online, people just walked out. No, I'm kidding. All right. I I came here for a sage. Okay? And so the deal is this. The deal is this. Yeah, you got ripped off. if You came here for that. Um, so to be like Jesus is to be on mission, is to be differentiated enough to say that I'm on mission and to recognize that, that when we pray this prayer, I wanna know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. See, Jesus is calling us into new life. Jesus is not calling us to build religious idols that serve us, we are called to serve him. And I heard this this week and I loved it because it was so challenging. It said this, I want, this guy was talking about a church building. He goes, I wanna build a church building that I don't care if in 30 years they burn it to the ground and do something new with it. Because I don't wanna hold on to stuff. I wanna go after the kingdom. If the building needs to change in order to function and serve the community around us, then the building needs to change. I'm not building an idol out of this place. And sometimes we do that. That worked. That was it. It was the thing. And we build idols out of those things. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we can't do something because it violates the idol. All of a sudden, a man who has been a paralytic for 38 years can't be healed because it's on the wrong day. So here's what I would say to you, church. If there's idols in your life, And I would say this, examine, sit with the Holy Spirit. God, what have I made larger than you? That I'm calling you in your name. What needs to be burned to the ground in my life? And here's what I believe that we'll see, is we'll see Little by little, sprouts of the kingdom of God and his activity of the Father in our lives. As we say, you know what, this life is not my own. Matter of fact, I wanna experience the resurrection power and I know that in order to do that, I have to die. And so guys, let's be partners with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in building the kingdom of God and not building idols. I want to announce something today that I'm super excited about. Um, uh, over the, the last months, uh, Jen and I have been doing uh, youth and it's been going good. I, of course, I love, like, teenagers. I taught high school for 13 and a half years. And, um, but we had an opportunity. And so just to give you a little bit of context for this, this is totally good news, by the way. Um, yeah. It's like, okay, what are you setting us up for? Here? Uh, no, this is great news. All right. Um, years ago, 11, 9, 7, how many years ago, Greg, did we meet? Thirteen. Back when I had hair, I didn't. Um, I met a guy by the name of Greg Mays. Um, And how I met him was I was the department chair at George Jenkins High School of the Social Studies Department. And Greg was um, going to be a teacher. And so... We sat down and we interviewed people, and you know, Greg just sticks out. He's this guy, man. I mean, he's really just impactful when you meet him. He's very uh, direct. He's also um, uh, very humble at the same time, and so and and compassionate. And you can get all this from an interview, all right? Uh, I I sat with a guy one time. I interviewed, and he looked. At, I said, "Where do you want to be in five years?" He goes, "In your seat." And I was like, I order paper and markers. Um, and so we had dismissed. I'm like, you've set your goals too low. All right, and so <laughs> next. Okay, and so, uh, so we meet. Uh, anyways, he, he works at George Shingens High School, and he's in the social studies department. And we worked together for a while and um, for a long time. And we did ministry together outside of these walls and outside of uh, the church where he goes and his walls. And, and, so, and so we go and we do this ministry together. And we've always wondered, you know, like, God, what would be so awesome to do ministry together, like at a place. And so I got to tell you one story that I tell everybody about, Greg, just because it's so good. Greg is a first-year teacher. I'm the department chair. I'm checking on him, saying, hey, how are things going? Greg, I am in the common room, and Greg is back in the book room. He comes, I'm not going to say running, but I'm going to say Olympic walking, um, out. And I don't know what he handed to me or what he, like, kind of, like, maybe even pushed me out of the way. I might be just, I don't know. He's like, you can have this. And I'm like... Uh, this ain't good. All right, so go into like crisis management mode for which me was at the time, oh God. Um, and so uh, this is not good. And then he starts cracking up and, and I start crying. And um, no, but he, he's cracking up, I'm cracking up. He's like, I'm just kidding with you, man. And I said, you know, but there was some stuff. And so we were able to go back in the book room and I said, dude, let me, can we just pray together? about what's going on, right? And so that has continued, all right? And so uh, I'm talking on the phone uh, to him the other day, and he says, hey, what if I knew a guy that had a really great relationship with the pastor that was willing to be the interim youth pastor at Lakeland Vineyard? And I'm so dumb, I was like, man, who does he know? (laughs) Um, No, I didn't think that. So, So we were able to talk about it, uh, brought it before the board or the elder board, and they were on board with it because they know Greg and his um, character. And I, I would be remiss to say this: um, he has a partner in ministry too, um, by the name of Sonny and um, Sugar and Spice when I think of her, (laughs) she is, I, she holds a special place in my heart, Um, and so those two uh, together, they're just amazing people, and uh, so Greg is going to step in as interim youth pastor here at Lakeland Vineyard, Um, and I'm super excited about that, yeah, Greg, can can you come up here? it is. All right. Hey, um, hello. Hello. (laughs) Okay, now can Greg come up? Greg Mace? No, I'm just kidding. Could you imagine? Okay. All right. um.
1: (laughs) Why did I say yes?
0: (laughs) So if you would, just tell us uh, a little bit about you and your background and who you are, just to introduce you to
1: everybody. Well, last week um, when I talked to Pastor Andy, I decided to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. I thought the first thing I should do is start teaching youth. Amen. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I I don't know what to say in a situation like this. Uh, I just love the Lord. I want to do whatever he calls me to do. And When we were on the phone, I felt like, you know. I'm a glutton for punishment. I'll go back and be a youth pastor again. Uh, the Lord allowed, I, I got a chance to lead youth for many years, and I teach high school. So uh, it's just a passion uh, of mine, and, and I love this church. Uh, I feel for you. I pray for you very frequently. <laughs> because I feel your pain, I felt it for 13 years. <laughs> I mean, 12 years or 11 years, whatever it was. So, but but praise fine. God. I'm just, <laughs> um, <killed. laughs> but anyway, I don't, I don't know what to say in a time yeah. like this. So oh, that's cool. Just praise God.
0: And so I think what I'd like to do is if our if the elders are here, you can come up. And we just want to, we realize it's interim, okay, but we realize too that we want to commission you as the interim youth pastor here. Because of this, we just value, we really value the lives of our, our students here. And I feel like it's super important. Um, So two of our, three of us are here. And so we're going to pray with you. All right? I get to? You get to. You want to come here? Yeah. You know, Father, as we come to you uh, today, we do come truly uh, humbled uh, of this servant's heart. Um, that he, of his own volition and sensitivity to the Spirit, would uh, reach out and and, uh, offer to be here to stand in the gap with us as we stand in the gap for this next generation um, that are leaders of today, not of the future. They're leaders now. And we need more men like Greg to stand in the gap for these people. And so as the elders of this church, we lay hands on him and we say, Holy Spirit, come and do through him what only you can do and help us as the body to come around him and to support him however we can in agreement with you as we go from this place. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus.
1: Amen.